Faith in a Fresh Vibe podcast. I am Ro Hattie coming at you live from Treaty 7 lands in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I guess it's not live. Welcome to another edition of the Faith in the Fresh Vibe podcast. In this session, we are going to go back to pandemics. Very first podcast episode was about COVID-19 and why stop there? After all, this is a global pandemic the world has not seen since the Spanish flu. Y'all can't remember that. Very few can. The world has ground to a halt. It's something that knows no bounds. There's no rich people get to do one thing and poor people can do another. Well, that's not entirely true. I think poor people are still trying to figure out how to work two or three jobs to make ends meet and meet rent. In this episode, I want to hit up on three different pieces. Now, you see, the Faith in the Fresh Vibe podcast is just that. We're trying to reimagine faith in new ways, ones that show that the Christian faith, that following Jesus, makes a lot of sense for our world today. Oftentimes, we see that the church operates mutually exclusive to society at large, that you compartmentalize faith in one hand and then the rest of life in the other, but shouldn't have to be that way. There's a co-creation that can happen with faith and with life and culture. Those things go hand in hand. In this episode, three ideas to share, three reflections really of observations I've made and frankly, let's admit, experienced during this pandemic moment here. The first one is, we've realized that we can't live life alone. Second idea, we've realized we're facing our own mortality. And the last one, we're struggling. We're struggling to sit in our own thoughts and be alone. COVID has taught us that not only has life changed, but there's a lot of grief and mourning that needs to happen, and there's no set parameter or rhythm that's going to guarantee coming out on the other end of that in a certain amount of time. Perhaps that's all we have is just a rhythm of up and down during this pandemic time. It's going to last for, well, we don't know how long. Sure, there's rumors that we're going to be back in just a month or, hey, just by Easter, but then Easter came and went. And honestly, if we look at the trends, it could be a year. It could be until we face and receive a vaccination. That's early next year before life turns normal again. But just like that first podcast, have a listen if you haven't already. We're not going back to normal. Things have changed so profoundly that life will never be the same. We have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with the uncertainty in the here and now, and also with the uncertainty of where we are going tomorrow. One thing that we have clung to is this notion we can't live life alone. Individualism has been a key factor in our culture, particularly in the West. How far can you make it? on your own. I made it for myself. Look at all the 
social media influencers who are making it for themselves. In fact, it's part of the American dream, at least the contemporary one, to pull up your bootstraps and make it for yourself, which is just a way to ensure that poor people keep on clamoring for some sense of identity defined by their individualistic pursuits, what they can make of themselves, how high on the ladder they can climb. I think God has something to say about that, or at least the pursuit of what defines us. But individualism comes crashing down when we realize we can't do all this alone. We're not by ourselves. You don't get very far in this world. Even though you try to ignore everyone else that's around you, suddenly we can't operate without the essential grocery store workers working down the street. Suddenly we can't operate because we can't even leave home. To protect the most vulnerable, we're all stuck inside. And when we're stuck inside, something happens. We get stuck in our own head. One of the things that people have been sharing with me, and this is anybody, people of faith and people not of faith, and churchgoers, non-churchgoers, doesn't matter. Some people are really struggling to sit alone in their own thoughts. We're used to being busy. We're used to being busy to cover up the different pieces in our lives that we want to ignore. But when you're stuck doing nothing else, when you've watched all the Netflix you can possibly watch, you come to a point where you're facing yourself in the proverbial mirror and you're watching intently to see if the person looking back is someone you like. That's a scary place to be in your own head, especially if you haven't been there in a while. When you're in your own head, you wind up thinking about things you never thought of, and that's what pandemics do. Many of you are not safe right now because you're in regions where COVID is taking over. In the Canadian landscape, we have so much space and we have universal health care where most of us are okay. But at the end of this, we're all going to know someone who has faced loss and death. And it makes us think about those things too, our own mortality. And that's not something that we often think about. There hasn't been really a reason. I think wealth has a lot to do with that. When you live in the West, you have this ability to not think about war or not think about sickness. Now, maybe if you're one of our American listeners, that might be a little bit different for you. But when we consider our own mortality... If there's nothing for us to cling to at the end of everything, all we have left is standing on the ledge facing the abyss. God has something to say about this too. Now, I'm not going to regale you with tales of, well, there must be more to it than just that. I think part of the work of deconstructing faith and reimagining faith in a fresh vibe is working through the dark moments of facing the abyss but then walking back with a better answer and a better hope. In fact, simply a hope to cling to. That's hard to do in moments of pandemics, moments of abject loss and death, cling to hope. Why should we even talk about hope in moments like this? As I shared in the very first podcast, 
it's like we're in a perpetual Groundhog Day of Good Friday. Or if Good Friday is too much death for you, then at least it's the Easter Saturday where there's just quiet. Jesus is still in the tomb. We're in a liminal space of the in-between. What now? As we sit in our own thoughts, we realize a few things that how we're made up and what has defined our identity may not be something that has sustained us or can sustain us through the thick and thin. That's what this pandemic is revealing. How deep do we really go in our own identities? So after all the culture shock and all the acknowledgement of the uncertainty, we realize we don't have all the answers. That's why we call out, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. That unbelief is one that's not being filled by what usually fills our identity, which is our work. Hey, what do you do? It's one of the questions we ask when we meet somebody new. What do you do? Tell me about that. We wrap so much of our identity in the job that we do, so much so that when it's stripped away, we have nothing left to cling to. Many of us have lost our jobs in this moment. They're temporary losses, but some of you have been in a permanent loss for a long time. Now, we're certainly meant to work. I think that it is part of our human identity, but we're not defined first by our doing. I believe that we're defined by our being. Our identity isn't rooted in the jobs that we have. There's something deeper. It's at the core of our being, that image-bearing identity, the peace that God has given us. So there's a tension in that if we don't have work to do, we're kind of left rudderless because, after all, we're meant to do something. But if we're not good in our being first, no job is going to cover. No job will be sufficient to fill the loss of identity. If your root source is defined by your doing, there's going to be a lot of unanswered questions. And all this self-isolation is going to put you in a place where you're going to say, I can't do this anymore. I'm going crazy. That might be a clue. It might be a clue that who you are is defined by the wrong thing. That's being first and then doing second. There is a core attribute, a foundation, if you will, that makes us who we are. It goes back to the very first story of humanity being created as image bearers of their creator. So a lot of us come out of traditions that skip the first two chapters of the Bible, the very first two, and they start in chapter three, Genesis three. Humanity has been created as fallen creatures, totally sinful, depraved, broken, and we are looking just for some kind of help. But that's not where we begin. We start in Genesis 1. Genesis 1 says, created very good. We reflect just that, goodness. Some of us struggle and come up with our own identities. That's all that social media it's going to say garbage, social media noise. Others root their identity in what God says, that goodness. Who God says you are is not what other people see you doing, be it in job or the profile we throw out. After all, that individualist brand profile that we try to communicate, we've realized how fleeting it really is, haven't we? 
This isn't to say that there aren't tensions in that image bearing, that there aren't problems and you're not going to fight back and forth whether or not it's working for you, what God might think about you. But at least you have a source, one that is not fleeting, one that doesn't disappear, one that holds up the time and the test of even pandemics. Now, what that looks for you will be unique to you. I think that's kind of the beauty of it, the beauty of our faith, the uniqueness of your image-bearing identity, what God has given you that makes you, you. Cling to that. Dig deeper into that. Work through whether that is the source of your being. Figure out what's clouding that vision. And then from there, even in the smallest way, in the one act, the one choice, the one thing that you can do that's slightly different, to root yourself back into the root picture that God has painted for you. I hope where you are right now, you are safe. I know it's very different in our world, depending what region you live in. I hope that not only are you safe, but you are safe in your whole body. That's body, soul, and spirit. That those around you that you love are safe as well in the same ways. Cultivate good health and good practices and rhythms in your life as best you can. Treat the little things as wins. Don't beat yourself up. Take those deep breaths. Take those long naps. This isn't a we're all working from home or trying to figure out what the next gig is at home. This is we've all been stopped. There's grief, there's loss right now, and in the midst of that, we're trying to work and find a new sense of normal. Perhaps normal won't return for a while, so linger in the mess, and hopefully you have a few friends to linger with you as well. And about all that time you have in your head, we got nothing but time right now. There might be a moment for you to consider an imagination of dealing with those voices you've been trying to push away for so long. Now, I kind of make it sound as though we're all hearing voices, and maybe that's not the language that you use. I encourage you just to reflect, however, on ideas you may have not entertained before. Things like mental health. I know for me, that wasn't always a picture or an idea that was known to me how to treat, respect, pay attention to my own mental health. But if you start that journey now, no matter how old you are, no matter your age, no matter your color or creed, think about things in different ways. Because not only are we trying to figure out how to survive in this moment, we're also thinking about ways we can thrive once we get out of it. Now, there's some real Fear at times, it's okay to be afraid, but to be governed by fear in this moment, I think, takes away a piece of our humanity in the sense that we're not being pushed forward by healthy rhythms or healthy things. If we let fear root itself within us, then we're being informed by irrational behavior. Now, that's not to say that being afraid is irrational. Rather, it's saying that we want to cling to a hope. The Bible says in a story that perfect love drives out fear. And to me, that strikes me as an important juxtaposition. On one end of the spectrum, we have fear, and it's something that's gripping us. That's what fear does. It stops us in our tracks and makes us incapable of acting. And love is on the other end. Love is an invitation. 
Love is the thawing of the heart. Love is that peace that we all long for. I don't know any human who's healthy who would long for fear. Rather, the very root of our humanity is a longing for love, for relationship. That's one of the key pieces of the Christian faith or in the person of who Jesus is, what Jesus embodies. There's a love, not just any love, rather, there's a love that matches the longing of our human heart, a kind of love that knows no bounds. We see glimpses of it in people and in moments, especially, for example, those who are working on the front lines of the healthcare sector, nurses, doctors, and others. It's a love that knows no bounds. It goes to the very end where no one else will go. And then it takes another step more. Give me that love over fear any day. Be safe where you're at. Till our next podcast, Faith in the Fresh Vibe, I'm Rohati.